Good news, bad news. The good news, or bad news, however you want to say it, is I'm not going to preach on what's in the lesson, the bulletin today, because believe it or not, sometimes it gets printed and things change. One big change that happened between the printing and today is the ruling that the Supreme Court laid down about same-sex marriage. But the good news is, is you could probably, the 1 Corinthians 13, if you'd want to go and read that in your personal study, it could really help you make sense of what's going on today because most of the times when we read 1 Corinthians 13, we see it on Valentine's Day cards or these things trying to promote our personal relationships and love for other people, which it works. It's good for that, okay? That's good. If, if you want to be biblical and, and, and do uh, something based on love, that's where you go. But also understand that it was written not only for us to show love to our spouses or our family, but it was written for the church to show love to others. And so we're going to be talking about that some today, but just in some different areas. I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not a political pusher, but I do feel like that after the ruling this week, the church has to respond. Believers need to know what they believe, and we need to know how we go forward from this day. Because last time I checked, our doors are not locked for good. Last time I checked, God has given us enough grace to be able to keep our power lights on. God has given us the ability to be in this service. For some reason, God has not decided to shut down Homeland Park Baptist Church. So that means, evidently what? He's not done with us yet. Amen? Alright. Well, just, just so you know, I mean, this is a biblical response. Now, if some of you do Facebook, and, and I'm on Facebook as well. And uh, let me just encourage you not to believe into all the hype on either sides of that because any, it doesn't matter what is posted or even if you don't have Facebook, when you're out at the grocery store, you're on your phone tree of all the people you talk to, um, you, you're real tempted to just jump into talking about how bad things are without understanding what the Bible says about it. How do we respond to Solomon Park Baptist Church? How, how do I, as a pastor, continue to minister in a world where this change has happened? Well, let me share with you some things that God has given me in my research over the week. We have learned this week that in a 5-4 to four vote, the Supreme Court of the United States has declared in the case of Oberfell versus Hodges that same-sex marriage is a right of every American citizen and it's protected by the law of the Constitution. Doesn't it seem like it's just overnight years of biblically-based morality and the institution of marriage which God has created has been taken away, has been erased. Now, many will feel after that decision like they have won. Others might feel like they have lost. Whichever side of the issue they stand on, it will determine their interpretation of that. To some people, it's just not a big deal at all. They say, well, let people love who they want to love and marry whoever they want to marry and stay out of their business. But let me assure you today that there are some things that I can affirm that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt because of Scripture. Number one, this did not happen overnight. Okay? The church, when I say the church, I'm not just talking about Home and Park. I'm talking about the, the greater body of believers where you've fallen asleep at the wheel. It did not happen overnight. 
And you can blame a president, you can blame a Supreme Court justice, you can blame a lawyer, you can blame a lobbying group, but folks, we, at some point, we have to blame ourselves as well. This is our country, too. And some of you have been through this before. Some of you are old enough to remember when prayer was taken out of school. Some of you remember what it was like when abortion became legal. I wasn't old enough to remember when that first happened, but for those of you that did, does this kind of feel like the same thing? Just a punch in the gut kind of thing? Well, we survived those two rulings, and we will survive this as well. I want you to understand what I can affirm. This, is not, this did not happen overnight. And then when you look at the situation, everyone is both a winner and a loser in this decision. We are both... We, we have won some things, and we have lost some things, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. And we have to understand, it does not matter what legislation, how high it goes into a court, the teaching of the Bible will trump popular opinion every single time. So, how are we supposed to respond today? What would God have us as Christians to do in order to, and this is the important part, in order to bring Him glory, okay? We have to bring God glory in everything that we do. Number two, the, the command is not changed. We still need to share the gospel. We still need to share and reach out to the lost. And we still need to pray for our nation. We do not need to turn our back towards Him. So, the first action, as a church and as a person, do not panic. Do not panic because of this ruling. Folks, uh, Russell Moore said it best. He said he is the head of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he said it this way. He said, no earthly power or kingdom can put Jesus Christ back into the tomb. Amen? Amen? No ruling, no person, whether they be a Christian, a non-Christian, or a world power, no one can put Jesus Christ back into the grave. And so, first of all, do not panic. Let's look at 1 Timothy 1.7 for just a moment. 1 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of what, church? Power. And do not underestimate this. Love. Power, love, and sound judgment. So what spirit has God given us? It's right there. Come on, folks. Let's get interactive this morning. Power, love, and sound judgment. What did He not give us? Spirit of fear. Do not panic. It's going to be okay. It's one thing I've learned over the years that when you get put in stressful situations, you have to do your best to, to take the adrenaline and take all of the, the fear that you have and bridle that so you can act accordingly. Because nine times out of ten, if you give in to fear or if you give in to adrenaline, you're going to get yourself hurt or hurt somebody else in the midst of this. That's why it was so important for me. Yesterday I just... I wanted to say some things on social media and I wanted to, to get the word out, but at the same time I thought, don't do it. Don't do it. 
If someone wants to know what you believe, let them ask you. I, I will have a response at some time, but for, for, the, for it to be social media fodder, for it to be you know the, the water cooler discussion, that's not what God has called us to do. That's like poor, there's, a, there's this one poor pastor, he used to be a pastor, he's now in a parachurch organization, but his name was Rick Scarborough and he was in Texas. And someone found a recording of his sermon that said, if same-sex marriage, the law passes, I'm going to set myself on fire. Don't you know the gay community got a hold of that clip and said, okay, buddy, what are you going to do now? Then, of course, he backtracked and said, well, I was talking about, not literally, but we were talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so he acquiesced. And, 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 but still, we've got to be careful what we say. Do not panic, folks. Jesus is alive. God is sovereign. And each day we get up in the morning, it's one day closer to his return. Understand, God is not up in heaven going, oh, Oh, what, oh my goodness, what just happened here? He's not doing that. He knows exactly what's happening. Those people that made those rulings, he put them in those positions. Those people that, that, that thought that they were acting of their own sound judgment and sound mind, all of us are but puppets in the hands of God. Because God is sovereign. God is not surprised. And listen, Society will take a hit because of this decision. Already, right after this ruling, there are now, I guess I have to be careful how I say it in a public setting, but there are people that have other um, interpretations of marriage and uh, sexual relationships that are now pushing for their rights. They're saying, well, if you're allowing them, then you need to allow us. It has opened Pandora's box. But understand, society will take a hit, but the gospel of Jesus Christ will flourish. It does not take a rocket scientist to go back. Go back and read the New Testament. Read about Rome. Read about how Christians were persecuted. How Nero would put Christians into a, a, an arena and just for sport send out lions for, to devour the Christians while thousands of people looked on. We have not seen persecution yet. But we might. But in the midst of that, the gospel will flourish. Knee-jerk reactions and responses based on our personal opinions apart from Scripture will only dig a deeper hole. Let me encourage you with this. If you have an opinion about this, Keep it to yourself unless it's Scripture. Because your opinions, and, and even my opinions, when we share those and they are not based in Scripture, what do they hear? Kind of like, you ever watch Charlie Brown? Wah, 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 wah. That's what people hear when we don't base our conversations off of Scripture. So number one, don't panic. Number two, if there was ever a time for the church and Christians, it is now to honor... Oh, hold on. I forgot the other verse. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and when? 
He has not changed. Okay? So don't panic. The second thing, honor biblical marriage. Uh Uh-oh, here's where we start meddling. Honor biblical marriage. There, Listen, I want you to understand this. Is that now because of this ruling, so many Christians have, you know, well, my my religion is just a personal thing. I I really don't want to share it with people because, you know, I'd hate to make them bad and I really don't know what to say, so I'm just going to kind of let the preacher do his thing. I'll go to church, I'll take my notes, and I'll sit there and listen, and I'll come back next week and do the same thing. Folks, there's nowhere to hide anymore. People are going to be asking you point blank, what do you believe? People are going to be saying, well, why don't you agree with this? Are you one of those Westboro Baptist folks that, that, that are picketing funerals? No, that's not us. But there is nowhere to hide anymore, and we must honor biblical marriage because, folks, if we truly believe the Bible, we must know why we believe what we believe for our benefit and the benefit of others. For example, the Bible condemns homosexuality as an immoral and unnatural sin. We can see in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, if you want to know what the Bible says about this, I'm giving you some key verses. And don't worry, those people that are in that lifestyle, they've already heard these and they could probably quote them because it's been thrown at them so much. But understand, Leviticus 18 22 says, it calls homosexuality as an abomination and a detestable sin. He says, you are not to sleep with a man as was, as with a woman. It is detestable. And, wrong, and then there again, people will say, well, this whole homosexuality thing, that was just an Old Testament thing. So when Jesus came and said he, he, he didn't come to abolish the law, but fulfill the law, that's like all those Old Testament things. Prophecies that we don't have to follow anymore, right? That's just the way they used to do it. Well, that would be right unless if you go to the New Testament and you see Romans 1, verses 26 and 27. Romans 1, 26 and 27, that declares homosexual desires and actions to be unnatural, lustful, and indecent. He says, this is why God delivered them over to degrading passions, for even their females exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. The males in the same way also left natural relations with females and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Males committed shameless acts with males and received their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 says that homosexuals are unrighteous and will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I want you to look carefully at this. It says, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality. There you go. There's the verse. That's what we can, we can put our nail on, right? You've got to be very careful if you do that. When you go and, and you confront someone on their sin, say it be homosexuality or whatever else, you better look at that verse one more time. Because it also says that those who are immoral and idolaters, anyone that puts anything before God is an idolater. You, my friend, are an idolater. I am an idolater. When we take anything in our life and place it before God in our lives, we're just as bad. 
Yeah, that goes for idolaters and adulterers too. I want you to understand something. If you've ever fallen in some of these areas that we've talked about, if you've ever uh, basically fell to uh, evils of the flesh and you've messed up, does that mean you're not going to see heaven? No, that's where God's grace comes in. But what Paul is talking about here are those who are living these lifestyles unrepentant, unremorseful, and defying God by doing it. That's the person that he's talking to. If you can stand in these sins and think God can handle that and is okay with that, you have fooled yourselves. That's what he's talking about here. And so, in honoring biblical marriage, listen, our quote-unquote Christian marriages and relationships now more than ever need to model the biblical teaching of marriage. Why has marriage disintegrated? Why is the institution of marriage disintegrated? It's because now the divorce rate is just as high, if not higher, among evangelical Christians as it is those not professing a relationship with Christ. There is no difference between those inside the church and those outside of the church. What does the world say that as? Hypocrisy. So folks, if you are in a loving relationship, if you are in a marriage, now more than ever, your marriage is a testimony to others about what God can do when people follow the biblical path and the biblical mandate for marriage. Some of you think, well, preacher, we've been married so long, it just comes natural. Well, good. Shine it. Flaunt it. Let people know that the only way for true happiness is through a relationship that is grounded in God's Word. Because here, here's the thing. Here's our call, folks. We can't skip around this because the problems of the world are problems of the church. No longer can we hide behind our walls. Problems of the world are the problems of the church. We can either address it and say, we understand this is where our world is at. We understand that God loves people. I understand that I have responsibility to live my life in a way that would glorify God and understand that we must move forward from this point. Folks, Holland Park Baptist Church either needs to address this situation or we need to stick our heads in the sand, become irrelevant, and go ahead and shut the doors. Because it's here. It's in Holland Park. It's in some of your families. I have friends that this affects. I have people that are on the other side of the issue that used to be Christians, that used to be kids in my youth group that are on the other side of this. And I love them just as much. And my heart breaks because I, I am not perfect, but I've seen what it's like to work with God in a relationship, and I've seen what it's been like to work Him out of a relationship as well. Folks, when we are telling people why they shouldn't get married, our marriages and relationships should show them how and why they should. Purity in sex is as much for the heterosexual as it is for the homosexual. <laughs> Don't be saying, look, I love Jesus. and If you love Jesus, you're going to have a marriage like mine. It better be a good one. Because, folks, that is our testimony. That is our credibility. We must repent of our failings and model for
for the world what marriage is created by God, what that looks like, and, and by God's design. The third thing that we must see, and you're not going to see a lot of media attention on this, but we must be ready to minister to the unfulfilled and the disillusioned. We must minister to the unfulfilled and disillusioned. Man, I can remember when I was a kid, and I thought, man, if I just ever get that bicycle that's got those mag wheels, black and red, if I can ever get that bicycle, my life will be complete. Do I know where that bicycle is now? I have no idea. I surely can't fit on it. That's not funny. Yeah, actually it is. Uh, but, but I might be able to fit on it, but that's pretty funny trying. But the point is, is that at that moment in time, folks, I thought that bicycle was the answer to all my problems. But my problems got worse. Sometimes I thought a person would be the answer to my problems. My problems got worse. Sometimes I thought even when I got saved, man, I was ready to take on hell with a water pistol. Here I am, Lord, send me. And then in my pride, God knocked me on my backside. Folks, we need to be ready to minister to the unfulfilled and the disillusioned because, folks, our worth is not found in what's in our pocket. Our worth is not found in what and who we can wrap our arms around. Our worth in our identity is found in Jesus Christ. Folks, the gay, lesbian, and transgender community, they are celebrating today not just because the law was passed, it's because finally someone has acknowledged them saying, you are worth something. You can be complete. And it's based in a ruling. It is based in a legislative move that is saying, your life now has worth. But folks, there are going to be a lot of people that, that feel validated by this. The government has said that you're no different. They think that this ruling that the government has made will give them happiness. They think that because they are now legally able to marry, that their marriage is going to be just like their parents and their grandparents. But folks, whether it be hetero or homo in a relationship, if you put all your stock in that relationship and it's not founded on God's Word and Jesus Christ, you will be empty. I guarantee you, in a year or two, the courts will be filled with divorce proceedings of same-sex couples. People are going to get what they want and then become disillusioned with it. What is the church going to do? Cast them aside and say, well, you shouldn't have done it anyway? Where's the love in that? What if someone would have done that to you? Would have said, yeah, you tried it, you failed, you're out, so long, bye-bye, Next. We can't do that, church. There are going to be people that are disillusioned and that are feeling like they don't worth, they're not worth anything. The difference is that marriage as ordained by God has a covering as opposed to what the law might say is marriage and what is not marriage. We see in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, that is where God created the first marriage, where he created Adam, then he creates Eve, and he says, the two shall leave their mother and father and cleave and become one flesh. 
Let me show you just a, a biblical example of someone who thought they had it all, but was was worth was their self worth was not where it needed to be. Turn in John chapter four, just a moment, please. This is the passage about the Samaritan woman. Oh my goodness! When you talk about Jews, when you talk about Jesus, and you put Samaritan in with that, them there's fighting words in the country, boy. Because Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. But yet, here we go. Jesus Christ, the self-proclaimed Messiah, sitting down at Jacob's well. You remember Jacob, don't you? At Jacob's well, where a Samaritan woman came up to him. And he just simply asks her for a drink of water. And he starts talking with her. In verse 13, this is what he tells her. He says, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Listen, the Samaritan woman he was talking to had many relationships, if you know what I mean. She had been with a lot of men. She had tried to find herself and her self-worth in the affection of someone else. There are many people that are still doing that today. And what did Jesus tell her? Jesus, He didn't condemn her. But He said, if you want to be whole, if you want to have self-worth, if you want to be who my Father created you to be, quit chasing things that are going to leave you thirsty and accept Me as your Savior and Lord. Folks, no matter where people stand on this issue, no matter whether they are getting married or whether they are fighting it or wherever you may be, understand that we will only be filled and our our identity will only be found through a relationship with Jesus Christ. When we have that Holy Spirit within us, we will never need anyone else to validate us again. Our identity is in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this, So if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above where the Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on what is above, not on what is on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. Our life is hidden in God. God created us to have a love relationship with Him. So much so that when we fell... Because of sin, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to bridge that gap. And then, also, like I said, uh, we were going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 13, the entire chapter. But if you would, let me just read to you verses 1 through 3, because the first three verses kind of give you the gist of what we're trying to say here this morning. We need to speak in love. It says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but did not love others, I would only be a a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Folks, complaining, griping, Speaking hate, 
and spreading fear is not the message believers must communicate. And also, if you have children or grandchildren or children's children, if you've got children involved in your life, I would encourage you strongly to have someone in the family talk to them about this ruling. Because understand, most of them don't have a full grasp of what's going on. And if you're depending on me or the church or a neighborhood friend or their school friends or the school to teach them what this means, you are sorely mistaken. Those kids are your responsibility. And you have got to train them in the ways of the Lord. Deuteronomy is clear in that. Because they will be hearing a lot of lies. You've got to counter lies with truth. What are most of the kids thinking? They're thinking, I know most Christians think same-sex marriage is wrong, but I don't understand why. And I don't even know if I agree with it. That's where a lot of our kids are today. They're saying, what's the big deal? Well, we haven't made it a big deal. That's the problem. We have to teach them. So, in closing, where do we go from here this morning, folks? Our world has changed. If we stay the same, we'll die. If we spew hate, we'll get hate right back at us. But if we speak in love, if we do these three things, number one, speak the truth. If you get into an argument with someone over this, just stop talking. It goes the same way with our our relationship with the Lord. If you're talking to someone about Jesus Christ and all they want to do is argue, just stop the discussion. Because you always want to leave a bridge to be able to come back. Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, which is Christ. Folks, don't just get your your Bible belt full of of, of Bible bullets of different verses ready to, to mow somebody down. Folks, when you, go, when, you take, when you take a hard approach to someone that is in sin, they've heard it before. And when you go hard, their defenses go up. You're playing their game. We have to speak in love to disarm them. Number two, we need to honor God and give people hope. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And then finally, be thankful and repent of your sin, regardless of where you stand on this issue. I love Romans 5.8 that says, But God proves His own love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I want to be clear. We need to speak in love to others. Don't equate speaking in love with agreeing with sin. It's not the same. When did Jesus ever in the Scriptures get red-faced and yell at somebody? Never. The only time He showed any anger was when He cleared the temple. Because people had turned his place of worship into a marketplace. We're Christians. We need to act like Jesus. We need to know what we believe. 
and we need to share that with others in love. We're not backing down, but we're not going to burn bridges at the same time. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this message this morning that I believe was fully from you. I thank you for your word. And Lord, there are folks in here that are on both sides of this issue. I understand that. But dear Heavenly Father, the thing I love about this is that through your word, you you say clearly, I love you, regardless of what sin you're in. There's some in here that that this sin of of the same-sex marriage doesn't hit them. But by golly, I know there's another one that does. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here this morning and you don't have hope, your self-worth is not grounded in Jesus Christ. You will never know true happiness. It doesn't matter who you marry, what you put in your body, or what experiences you have, or how much money is in your wallet. You will only become whole when Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. And if you want that, you can come forward. I will lead you in a prayer and we'll get you started on this journey. Maybe you have another prayer need or you just want to come to the altar and pray. This invitation time is yours, Lord. May you move. Would everyone stand, please?